From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. On my microphone here, that'll help. I'll have a very pleasant good morning to this Patrick Timpone. And it's OneRadioNetwork.com, the, the 9th of June, I believe. And uh, we, we talked to the phone company yesterday, and they said, oh, it's almost ready. So we'll have phones soon. Probably not today. So today, just please use uh, email if you care to participate, as we do all the time. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com is uh, the email address, the 9th of June. On Fridays, we, we kind of um, title our show, It Takes a Long Time to Get Young, which is our one of our main kind of things. We talk about the aging process and how that all works. And over over the last two, three, I mean, couple years, I've gotten more and more geeky on, on uh, Fridays and just really this whole passion of mine of understanding how it all works, you know, the soul, mind, body stuff. And I've gotten pretty geeky. And uh, matter of fact, uh, you know, I get so geeky sometimes I get confused, you know, which is, which is good. <laughs> and plus, you know, well, we'll get into it. There's a lot of different reasons why. Um, we're going to try a few things here. And this morning is one of them there. And uh, we're going to be joined by a young lady by the name of Hannah Walzer. And we, we met, we'll tell you how we met. And um, I just got, it just came to me that it might be a good idea to invite her on and see if she could uh, help uh, uh, bring Patrick down to earth and help people <laughs> to understand what we're talking about a little bit better because Patrick doesn't know what he's talking about and Hannah probably can help. Good morning, Hannah. Good morning, Patrick. It's good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, how are you? I am well. I am. Yeah, I'm feeling excited to be alive today. Well, you look well, and you live up. Don't in, ask me. <laughs> you look. You're up in um, um. What's that state you're in? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. I'm in yeah. Central Pennsylvania, Lancaster yeah. County. <laughs> Lancaster County. I found there by the Amish folks, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm. I live amongst the Amish. And Hannah is almost an Amish name, but it's probably German, right? German. Um, but Hannah is a Hebrew name. Um, I know that. I know it's a biblical name, and I'm very sure that's why my parents chose it for me. <laughs> Can you turn your volume down a little bit? Do you have any controls? Yeah. How's that? Yeah, I think that sounds a little better. Yeah. So we, we, we met through the show, and then we, we began emailing off the air. We talked about some, some ideas uh, that she had going on and I had going on, and we became friends. And so this is how you got here. Yeah, it's been pretty cool. Yeah, we've been building a relationship over time. It's been neat. And tell folks uh, what you now do to support yourself on the earth plane. Uh, well, I'm in social work, but I also have a coaching business um, called Change, and uh, that's kind of my my heart flow is developing relationships with clients and uh, you know helping them overcome obstacles so that they can create a healthy life they love. So, um, yeah, that's what I do. And you have two children. Three. Oh, three. Three teenagers. I, I, yeah, I, I lost one. Three. That's okay. I lose them all the time. <laughs> Wow. And how old are they? 16, 14, and 13. Yep. It is a marathon, Patrick. 16, 14, and 13? Yep. Wow. And they are, I guess they're all in high school now? All in high school? I, ha- I will have two in high school next year and one in middle school. Uh-huh. Are yeah. they, they fun? They're a lot of fun. I enjoy this uh, this age range. It's uh, you know you're getting to know their personalities. You can have discussions, and there's a lot of coaching involved in ra- in raising teenagers. So it's a fun time. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Well, it keeps you busy. Well, um, we have a few things that we we thought we might talk about, but one of the things I think it'd be fun to uh, kind of start with is um, there was. Um, 
a video that was put out, I think on Tuesday or something, by a fellow by the name of Matt Walsh. And he's got a, uh, I, he's got a program, I don't, I don't recall the name of it, Anna, you may know it. And he's all into this whole trance thing and, you know, and, and trying to get to the bottom of it. So he went around the country, actually he went around the world too, and he just wanted to ask people, what is a woman? What is a woman? And did you get a chance to watch any of that? And have you seen, those of you at home, seen any? Yeah. I watched the whole thing. Oh, you did? Yes. Yep. It was a, it was very, very fascinating. I couldn't stop once I started. And um, so I want to ask you, what, what's a woman? <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's start here. I, I definitely consider myself one. Um, and I do err on the side of believing that uh, very much like his wife responds to him at the end of the show that that is an adult female. Um, but I think the thing, you know, I think if you ask 15 women what a woman is, they would have 15 different descriptions. And I would say that, um, you know, maybe that's a gender stereotype, but that pretty much sounds like a woman. So um, it was an interesting and thought provoking question for sure. Like the, even in the opening, I kind of was like, why didn't he ask what is a female instead of what is a woman? Um, but yeah, uh, I, to me, a woman is an adult female. I think her characteristics, um, you know, that make that up could be very different based on many, many different things. And it was like opening up Pandora's box of questions when I was watching a documentary. What were your thoughts about it? I, I what is a woman to Patrick? What is a woman to Patrick? What's well, a woman <laughs> is female, and she's opposite of a boy, and um, um, there's magnetic energy for me between boys and girls, you know, and she's totally different from from men, right? I mean, just it's like from another planet. For me, females are much very intuitive, and my dad. My dad said one time, uh, long ago, uh, he told me before he he left in I think eighty six. He said, um, "Well, he said I don't know much about you know. He had seven seven kids, but he got along. Never fought with. I I think one fight, and I saw my whole life. Could you imagine one scrap? Yeah. And it was yeah. and it was just very calm scrap, and." Um, he just said, he said, if I can just advise anything, just, just when you're with a woman, just give her what she wants. That's, that's all you have to do. Whatever she wants is just good. You'll be fine. Because <laughs> she's going to eventually get it anyway. You might as well just give it to her and then go down the road. <laughs> I think there's a lot to that. You know, I've, I've lived by that a lot, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, we can dig into that if you want to. Well, whatever you want to do, you know. I'm gonna, you know, what do you think that idea is about? I mean, I mean, uh, to me, it feels like uh, in a relationship, even just friends or romantic, whatever, that the woman's perspective, female perspective, is most often more in balance than the guys. Does imbalance make sense? Because I don't like to say why, right or wrong, because that gets to be weird. Right. No, and I think that you're you're treading water carefully there. I, I think that we just have re we come from really different parts of the brain. Like oh, I think women do tend to be more emotional, um, and men are more logical. And so you know our approach to everything is going to be really really different. Um, and then you have all the different temperaments of men and all the different temperaments of women and how everybody was raised and the things that they've seen that, you know, impact how they build relationships with the opposite sex. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's so different. I don't think one is right or wrong. I don't think one is better or worse. I think you need both. And, um, the idea that it's different in my perspective allows it to be a stronger uh, bond if you can work through those differences and and learn to understand each other. Yeah, well said. So, so you think understanding one another 
um, is uh, one of the big key components to a relationship. It's just understanding what they want and what they need and who they are. Yeah, well, there's there's so many things, but I think that communication and learning how to communicate with someone is really, really important. And there are many different communication styles. So learning, um, whether it's a friend or a romantic partner, how to communicate with your partner is really important. And then I would say um, how you work through conflict is huge. And then I think creating the space for... Um, understanding and, and seeing that person for who they are, which which ties into all of that. But um, yeah, you need a lot of things to make it work. When uh, uh, you, you're, you're a single mom now, right? Yeah. 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 You're a single mom. Um, so um, were you conscious ongoing uh, during your relationship that it was always, uh, you felt like you're always working on something? moving forward in, like, my, in my previous relationship yeah. with my children's father is yeah. that what you mean yeah oh you said it very good thanks <laughs> um so is your question do i feel like he and i were like consciously working on our relationship yeah, right that, yeah um no actually not at all but really? i think that <laughs> no we were I, I don't think so um we had communication was our number one problem and i think that our communication styles I don't know if I should use the word uh, incompatible, but it was almost impossible for us to talk through things. Um, so we didn't really talk through things. And there wasn't necessarily a willingness, um, I would say, on both sides to do that. So no. uh, it just kind of became a coexistence. And, you know, wow. Wow. that's the sad truth. There wasn't a person in there, you know, willing to get into the ring and discuss things with me. And it didn't seem like even once we got to the point where we were trying to do that, which was at the end, um, it was just impossible to really understand each other. So I just think it was an incompatibility probably from the beginning. Yeah. 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 Do you suspect that uh, a lot of people uh, go through these kinds of relationships and takes a while to figure out is not what I really want? and move on. Yeah, do you mean like in terms of compatibility with a partner, like with finding a partner? Right. Yeah, I don't, I think that, I mean, I think people get in relationships for a lot of different reasons, and I don't think that everyone starts a relationship necessarily with the intention of finding a partner that's compatible for them. So I think you have to know what your intentions are um, when you're spending time with someone. And if you're just dating casually or just, you know, into a casual situation, be upfront about that. And if you are searching for, let's say, a life partner, then that also needs to be communicated um, because your actions and the way you deal with one another is going to be very, very different based on what your intention is going into that. So I would say um, that most people don't necessarily spend the time thinking about what their intentions might be when they start let's say romantic relationships yeah. with someone and I'll include myself with that. I'm much more uh, cognizant of that now. Um, but I definitely wasn't always. Yeah. Well, what would so, you say? Yeah. You know, I, 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 I don't think, I don't know. I've never really thought it through as well as you just stated it. You know, um, I just kind of, I've always assumed that the other person really just understood exactly what, you know, what I wanted in a, in a relationship, you know, just because of the way I acted and all that. But I, I don't think, you know, with all the relationships I've had, I don't think I've ever really sat down and walked, talked through all that like you just, have you done that with a, with a guy? <laughs> I try. There, it's, it's Does it scare them away? Do they just run away when you do that? And they, they do, but you know, this is the thing. If they're <laughs> running away from that, then they're not my partner because I want to be able to have those conversations and define what our relationship is and what we both want out of it. And I think that a wow. lot of people, so these are relationship building skills. You lay a foundation and that doesn't mean that there's not, you know, that it's so hardcore and intense and there's not play and pleasure in that, you know, stage. But I think that people don't spend enough time 
uh, learning if they're really compatible with their partner. And so I think that leads to problems later on. Things fizzle out. Oh, yeah. You know, you can't work through bigger issues. Um, and so to me, it's it's a worthwhile thing. And the right person will do that with you. Well, well yeah, I would say, I don't know, but how it is in the world out there of uh, romance and how everybody's so different. But I would suspect... Uh, kind of a, almost a blessed thing to to find somebody that's willing to to go down that road with you maybe more rare than do you think it's i mean it's hard to tell how many people would really have a shot at that kind of a relationship you know that both people are willing to dig in there yeah and i think i think for myself personally that's just that i know that i want that from right. a partner and so that's my intention is to find that person and that may not be necessarily what someone else is looking for but i know what i'm looking for and what i want and so that's why i'm having i have tough you're very aware smart girl that's why you're here because i knew that when i was talking to you this girl (laughs) knows some stuff here Uh, if you'd like to join the show patrick at one radio network.com sorry we don't have the phone lines patrick at one uh radio network.com hannah walser is uh, co-hosting with us today and uh, you can you can join us on the show. We have a lot of uh, good things happening on, let's see, next week, uh, Dr. Thomas Cowan is going to be here. Yeah, Thomas Cowan. And we're going to see where he's going to go from uh, there is no virus thing. Also, um, Dr. Weissong, and he, he's in some very curious, interesting things about reality and how it all works. And we love to talk about that. And also, also, um, Dr. Chafee, uh, Dr. Chafee, the carnivore fellow. He was the first carnivore fellow we had on, and I have, I have lots of questions with uh, all the experiments I've been doing about with, um, you know, with diet and stuff. So that is, uh, that is next week on One Radio Network. We support ourselves by, um, you know, talking about different products. And if we'd like to talk to you about this one, we have a minute here to to explain that um, a molecular hydrogen is really an interesting um, um, molecule, hydrogen. It's the most abundant molecule on the earth plane. And it is on both sides of the periodic table. It's very powerful and it's just food. It's just energy. And the cool people that we talk to with this suggest that, uh, that um, stars eat hydrogen for breakfast. I mean, that's what they eat. And that's pretty much, according to folks who think about this stuff, what everybody in out there in the world, what they eat is they actually eat hydrogen. You know, all the different uh, stars and planets and moon and sun and all that. That's what they eat. So it's a, it's a curious um, a molecule that it's just a food. It's not trying to kill anything or it's not trying to, um, uh, you know, it's just a food. It's like energy. It's like prana. So you can breathe the gas and drink the water and get the uh, hydrogen machine on oneradionetwork.com. Use promo code OneRadio. This machine is made in Japan and it's really, uh, we think, the most well-built machine there is. And also that um, um, it has food-grade hydrogen, the purest form of hydrogen that that we're aware of. So it's the hydrogen machine on oneradionetwork.com. Starving for vitality. We're turning to energy drinks, stimulants, and pharmaceuticals to try to improve our focus, increase our metabolism, rescue our sex drive, and adapt to the stresses of modern day living. Each year, an elk sheds its impressive antlers, regenerating an even larger set the following year. These velvet antlers have been a revered traditional medicine for thousands of years. Elk antler harnesses the adaptogenic and highly regenerative growth factors from this natural and ethical resource into a concentrated, bioavailable extraction. Its revitalizing effects span bone, muscle, and nerve support, improve metabolism, cellular repair, sexual potency, anti-inflammation, vascular strengthening, and hormone production. Humanely harvested from free-range U.S. elk, extracted in organic alcohol, and protected in mirror glass, our elk antler is available in three strengths to restore your vitality at any level. 
That's from Sir Thrival. Any Sir Thrival link will get you to uh, the Pine Pollen, Elk Velvet Antler, or uh, all the other great things they have, colostrum as such. It is the 9th of June. Uh, Hannah Walser is here. She's co-hosting this morning. She's up in in um, the Pencil, or the, uh, um, um, what's the, I'm sorry, what, what's the name of that, uh, that county? Lancaster. Lancaster. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Lancaster County. Just face that baby out. And one of the reasons I came to this point of uh, wanting to get a little more input, a little different energy and uh, some balance to, to my stuff that I do on Friday is um, I can best uh, put this out in a simple way. My second screenplay uh, that I've written, it is called Look and See. And it's a story about Paul, who's a kind of investor, I mean, a hard time, and he's had some IRS troubles, and uh, his dog, his dog gets hurt on the in the first scene um, in a creek, and goes to a to a chiropractor, and um, she's the most beautiful girl ever. So he falls madly in love from on the first scene. So that's the beginning of the love story, and then he's and he wants to to really be a success in, in business and lost a lot of money in crypto and got this crypto thing going. And he is, um, uh, he's introduced to a fellow who has a machine that, that people think he should invest in because he's an investor is what he does, but he doesn't have much money. And this investor or this machine guy turns out to be kind of a spiritual kind of master guy, but he has a machine and he, by getting into the machine, you get to see exactly how this all works. You get to see the mind, the body, and the consciousness, and uh, how the future is, and the now, and just crazy cool stuff. And we have that all in the screenplay. And then he spends most of the movie after that, he visits this fellow, his name is Nuva, about three times, trying to not go so crazy, right? Not just trying to figure out how he can um, um, in- incorporate all of these things he understands about spiritual about spiritual growth. Well, he goes through some hard times and all that, and and, uh, I won't get into all that. So, the reason I'm saying this is because this is pretty much what happened to me. I began somehow after a few out-of-body experiences, I began to uh, really investigate uh, in contemplation and other out-of-body experiences of how this all works, you know. And I, I was uh, guided over the last oh, 10 years, little by little, by my spiritual teachers, and um, showing me, well, that's the mind, and oh, there's the mind, and you, you know. So this is what I've been talking about for a couple of years on, and also writing in a book. And the thing of it is, is that I found, oh, and really coming to more terms with it in the last six months, that, the mechanics of it is really interesting. It's not that interesting to a whole lot of people, you know, not as many people as I thought it was. And also, and the reason I really wanted to talk to Hannah about this is that even, I don't even know how to say this, it's that you can know exactly how it all works. Oh, that's the mind, that's not me, you know, that's, the emotions, that's not me. I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. You can know all that. Just like, I got it down to a T. But it doesn't mean that you don't go crazy. Or it doesn't mean that, you know, you you have all the answers. Because it's such a, you know, it ha- it's such a curious thing because it's all mixed together with emotions, who we are, why we are, where we are, relationships. And it was almost like I was trying to, to game the system and learn it from a more mechanical way and just disavow the emotional aspects of who I am and what it means to me along the way. Am I making any sense here or just babbling? No, you're making sense. Do you feel like you have gained a deeper sense of your maybe spiritual identity through that process? Is that what you would say? Spiritual identity. You know, my spiritual identity is so geeky and so absolute that that's one of the reasons why I don't I don't care what happens to me. 
I don't worry. I don't on a deep level, you know, I don't worry because I'm I'm soul, and I know that even if I get hit by a flying bus, that I'll be fine. And I'm I, I got a good idea where I'm going to go. <laughs> you know, so so you know, basically, I don't worry about anything. But even when I know I'm not the mind, or I know I'm not the emotions, they still come up in the now, right? Because they do, because they there's something for Patrick to work on, whether it be, I don't know, you know, just pick, pick, pick anything, right? Pick anything on the list of being human. And I, um, I think I just, I ignored that for a long time because, you know, my, my, my thing would be, well, it's just mine. It's not me. So what do I care? But then, well, why does it keep coming up? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's interesting for sure, because we, you know, when you come, can come from a place of being the observer, right? The witness right. observer, we call it in yoga of, of what's coming up. Right. Um, and then I think, you know, from my perspective, and I'm definitely willing to be challenged on this, it's not necessarily always about preventing those things or even gaining control or mastery over them. I think it's more about harmonizing ourselves with, with that part of our humanity, because humanity, like being a human, like you said, it's like, sometimes it's really wild. Like, <laughs> it's, And sometimes things are showing up because it's like a nudge, a gentle nudge to, to work on or look at something. And sometimes things just come up because, I don't know, we may have ate something crazy the day before and <laughs> like, we're just being wacky. So uh, there can be so many things that elicit, you know, emotional responses or our mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, there's so many, there's so many things involved with the, why the mind spits out things that it does. But I guess, I guess what I spent a long time working on was the idea that um, when a negative or some kind of a a thought of you can't do that or that's crazy or you know don't do that you can't do that, um, that I felt it even though I know it was separate from me. You know, I felt it. I felt the feeling of it. And at the same time, I knew that it really wasn't who I was. So I was able to go through life doing that. And, but then, you know, but you can't keep doing that because you still keep getting bombarded by the, you know, by the negative feeling because you feel it. And it's it's not fun. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. So I guess my neck, like my question that's coming up in my mind is, so you were noticing those things and you could see it separate from yourself, but did you felt like by noticing that you weren't necessarily addressing it? Am I getting that part right? Or how would you say it? No, I'm really, I'm really getting to that part now in my life. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've gone for years just, and I've done fine and, you know, but, but now, you know, I mean, I don't sleep well, you know, because there are things rattling down in there in the subconscious that I haven't really, you know, looked at and said, and it's nothing big, you know. It's not like I've been traumatized when I was four or anything like that, you know. It's really little bitty things, but it's just curious what's going on. I wish I, I'm, I'm going to understand it more, but um, I, I'm, I, you know, the one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about it and talk to others about it is I. You know, I just think I need to go to a whole new level of communicating with my audience and um, just doing it on the on the geeky, spiritual, mechanical side like I've been doing and writing about. Um, it's not getting it. It's not, people aren't connecting with it because it's too, hmm, it's just too uh, abstract. You know, I mean, can you even tell me if I, let me ask you. Okay, so what do you think the mind is? I mean, do you have you really thought about it, or where is it? How does it work, and all that? I mean, do people even think about that? I mean, I don't know. Okay, See, that's what I mean. <laughs> so if I'm talking to a bunch of people that don't know or don't care, then what does it matter? You know? Well, just because they don't know doesn't mean they don't care. Maybe you're provoking thoughts that you know people you know, in day-to-day society might not normally 
think of, and that's important. I think it's important to to bring that to people's attention. Well, you for knew sure. you knew what a woman was, so let me. What, so what? What's the mind? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta. Yeah. My 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 mind is saying, Hannah, you better think about this before you answer. <laughs> no, no, I want to talk to you, not your mind. I want to talk to you. What do you <laughs> think the mind is? Oh man, no one prepped me for this. Question. No, I didn't, we didn't prep for any of this, girl, because I just threw you in here. Um, I guess I would say that the mind is how we are. You know, we process information, thoughts, feelings. Um, I think that's what I would say. You know, that's my off-the-cuff definition. Um, so, I'm curious to know what yours is. That's all right. So. But if so, you you understand the idea idea of the observer, yeah? Because you've taught yoga, or you you've done a lot of yoga, right? Yeah. Is that a yogic thing, observer, and observing the mind? So um, I I was trained by Kripalu teachers, so the witness observer is kind of part of that training process. Yes. So um, just to be able to show up in the midst of you know our human processes, and as you're saying, kind of step away from maybe the emotional experience and kind of say, okay, I can see that this is going on. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a negative experience. It could even sure. be yeah. with joy. Yeah. You know, you could be experiencing joy and say like, oh, like I see, you know, I see that. Um, so I think that's, you know, part of awareness too, obviously. Um, but yeah, that's that's part of how I was trained. And it's because it's been a very useful tool to have as I've gone through life. I can't say that it's prevented me from not being in my feelings, but it's a tool I have that I wouldn't have had if I had not had that training. What does that mean, being in your feelings? <laughs> <laughs> I don't being know about that. Feelings. I don't know about that. <laughs> when I say that, when I say that, because I feel like we have to, um, in the world we're living in, define like, all our reasons for the words we choose because we're living in that world. And I think that documentary um, kind of keyed in on that, right? What is, what is a woman? Yeah. Right. Because, yeah. So for me, that when I'm saying I'm being in my feelings, um, I can tend to, to stay in emotional processes a little bit longer than I think a lot of people do. Uh, I've known that most of my life. So if I'm feeling upset or angry, um, I can get stuck there and it can take me a little bit longer to process through what I'm feeling and move past it than I think um, what I would say maybe is normal for people. So when I say being in my feelings, that's me being stuck there and not being able to move past it um, immediately. And do you, do you, how do you, how do you move past it? Do you talk to yourself? Dear Hannah, get um, a grip here, girl. What's going on? Do you do that? It depends on the situation uh, and it depends, you know, what, how big of a situation it is, or, um, you know, these are, we all have tools that help us work through different things. That looks different for everybody. Sometimes it's just being physically active. Sometimes it's being by myself. Sometimes it's exercise. Sometimes it's being in nature. Sometimes it's just breathing. Uh, it just, it depends on the circumstance. Do you ever like, do you as a man experience that, that you can get stuck in feelings or is that just a woman thing? <laughs> I, no, I don't, I don't know. You know, I just talk to myself is what I do. You know, I just, if, if I just have the wherewithal to just close my eyes and say, okay, what's going on? So, you know, my, I go from the standpoint that if you think there's a problem, then there's a problem. So I, I, you know, I'm pretty geeky, and I want to come to that stuff. You know, but but I know I need to expand on that to do it. You know, I I just talk my way through it. You know, uh, just I just talk my way through it because I'll just do it from a geeky standpoint. Like, well, okay, do you really believe that fear is real, Patrick? And I'll go, no. Okay, so what's next? What else you got? <laughs> That's. It. <laughs> what else you got? You know, what else? I said, no, I'm good. Okay, so then, then I just move on. So, so that's you know that's the way I that's the way I do with it. But yeah, yeah, this whole feeling thing—I don't even know what it is actually. You know, I'm, I'm serious. If they did a documentary, I was what are feelings? Uh, um, 
I probably wouldn't be very good at even answering that. And I think I need to learn this because that's all what, what, what screenplays are about, right? Movies are about emotions. Movies are about people moving through various emotions of fear and hope and jealousy, whatever, right? And um, that's the hardest thing I have to write about. So that's probably why I'm doing the screenwriting so I can learn how to understand, you know, whatever whatever's going on, I can put that into a character. I guess that's what writers do, huh? They put stuff out there so they get all their their feelings out. I don't even know how to say the word feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that that is, I mean, you know, artistic expression through writing is a way to work through feelings. It's a way to express them. Um, I think feelings are just, you know, an indication of where we are, we're at in the moment. And, um, you know, feelings are subject to change and they often do. And so, you know, we shouldn't necessarily live our life by them, but they can be helpful in the moment for us to identify how we're doing on an emotional level. So that's, that's how I would describe feelings. You hear a lot of women say that, uh, yeah, especially in the movies, I don't know about in real life, but, but, uh, how they just want the, the fellow to feel more, to feel more what they're feeling. Yeah. I think that women, I mean, I don't want to, um, make a generalized statement for all women go out ahead. there. No, but this guy, you can do it. <laughs> Hannah did it. I didn't say it. Hannah said it. No, I'm just kidding. That's right. Throw me under the bus, Patrick. <laughs> I think women are better at expressing and verbalizing their feelings than men can be. I think that, um, that I wouldn't say that's across the board in every society, but I think especially like in this country, um, but I also don't think that men necessarily always feel safe or masculine expressing their feelings. And I think that's that could be cultural. I don't think every culture is the same. So I think there are a lot of women that would love, you know, we want to see a man's heart. We want to know what he's feeling. Um, and that's just about connection for us. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, I feel that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could probably go on a dating site and find a guy that will do that, right? good luck good luck everybody (laughs) did you do that have you done that yes i have i have tried online dating and how'd that work and i how'd that work well i I used the word try didn't i (laughs) (laughs) what did you tell me off the air the other day about online dating what was the term you used i think i said it was horrible you said it was a terrible idea (laughs) He said it was a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. I've never, I've met, not messed with it hardly ever at all. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. It's real tough. Um, it's a product of the times, I think, that we're living in for sure. I'm not saying it doesn't work out for some people, and um, I just think it's it's really tricky to. It's just tricky. Like you're, you're having to, well, yeah, this, this you have to interview somebody. <laughs> Here's an email from Becky. She's in Louisiana. We love Louisiana. I used to live in Louisiana. She says, thanks uh, for doing the show. It's fun having a co-host on. Uh, I think a woman, uh, the difference is the woman has a vagina and a man has a penis. And I don't know, that's it. Thanks. Well, you know, a lot of people think that. You know, that's that's pretty, but you know, nobody Nobody that this fellow talked about that he asked, and he asked all these different, uh, you, you might, you might uh, watch that video called it, What is a Woman? I think it's on, on um, what is it, hon? Is it on uh, um, Instagram? Twitter. Twitter, That's sorry. 180 million people watched it. Do you know how much 180 million people? That's two-thirds of this country. And I saw that, it's a whoa. And so he went around the country, and Hannah's watched it, and, and he interviews all these scientists and, and um, psychiatrists, right, and all these specialists and gender transfluity fluity things and people that are doing uh, gender operations, you know, and stuff and changing the, the people. And there's not one of them could tell him what a woman is. He, they wouldn't say. 
And they, they especially would not say ever that, it, well, it's just a human and one is a female body and she has a vagina and things and the other guy is a, you know, a kind of penis and those are boys and girls. But they, they, they won't say that. They won't, they won't say that. Nope. Because then the conversation would be over, wouldn't it? Well, maybe. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> Might open up a whole new conversation. <laughs> that, that documentary brought a lot of things to mind. Um, and I think for me personally watching it was, why is there such an identity crisis um, in our country? It seems like, you know, there's people are so confused um, about who they are. And so that was that was my like takeaway from that is like on a on a larger scale we're talking about people that are struggling with identity in general, and um, so I was like so why is that you know my curiosity is kind of right there. Right. But, but, you know, but, but something happened the last three or four years that brought all this out, right? Something changed. It can't just be souls all of a sudden all got together and start thinking, well. You know, I don't feel like a boy, so maybe I want to be a girl. Something else is going on. You know, I I don't. I wish I knew exactly how this all happened and what this is all about. I have my theories, but you know, you know, theories. I want to hear your theories because yeah. I have some too. I want to for lining up here. Okay, baby, I'm, I'll give it to you. See, I think there are, <laughs> I think there are forces like globalist forces. I get pretty geeky this way, you know, way out there that have been controlling this earth plane for a long time, you know, banking, big money, big times, politics, wars, kind of the world economic forum kind of folks, you know, and they're into a one world government, you know, and a one world currency, and now they're putting out vaccine passports, have you seen that? Digital vaccine Mm -hmm. passports to travel. This is what they are proposing. So I think these people just got control issues. <laughs> and they have a lot of money, and I think that they go in and infiltrate things like Black Lives Matter and all kinds of people. I think they were involved in the, um, um, the um, what's the movement in the 60s? Women's rights, what was the, um, the other term for it? 50s and 60s, when the gals all went in the streets and um, what is that? Phyllis, Schaff- Phyllis Schlafly and those people. What is that movement called? I don't know the name of it. You didn't say I had to come prepared with his no, terms. No, sorry. That's a, <laughs> I don't know is a good way because I'd say that. Uh, you know what? I, folks, do you know I what I'm talking about? Women's rights. <laughs> yeah, women's rights. But there's another term for it. Uh, women's equal rights or whatever. You know, that all started in the 50s and the 60s, right? And and I think that was all all propagated by by rich people who who got to people and you know so i think it's just about dividing and conquering and also by the way if you lower the amount of people that get married and have babies then you lower the population so i'm pretty you know globalist idea that's my theory what's yours yeah i mean i think i look at it on a you know maybe slightly different perspective, but there has been social conditioning forever, in my opinion. And even in times when we didn't see it, I think it was going on. And we've been conditioned to think in a a certain way about a lot of things um, due to things like marketing and television, and now social media and AI. And so I think a lot of the problems that I'm I'm, seeing, even in that uh, documentary and the things I was watching, you know, it begs the question, you know, now that our psychology is being influenced by things like social media and influencers, they call them influencers. So um, they're changing. They call the them way influencers. They Don't you think that's curious? They call they're them influencers. They're telling the truth. They're telling us what's going on. So I think that we are, it's changing um, our psychology. It's changing the way we process information. It's changing the way we communicate. It's yeah. changing the way, you know, we've talked about this before. It's kind of, starting to take away what it means to be a human being. And so that there's that loss of identity right there. Um, now we're relying on technology as our largest form of communication. And you go back years and years, and that was simply not the case. It wasn't that we mostly commi- you know, communicated through something digitally. 
Um, so there's so much to it, but yeah, are there, are there people driving the bus, you know, on a larger scale that are in love with, with power for sure. Well, and they're always have been. They always have been. Yeah. Maybe the whole trans things too. Part of it is the, the humanism idea where they want everybody to get kind of wired in and then, you know, you can change and do it, do, do whatever you want to do. Here's an email from Donna, the mind and body brain are the interior and exterior of a single holism. I like that. The holistic experts influence across these two dimensions. The holistic, oh, exerts, sorry, I misread that. The holistic exerts influence across the two dimensions, but neither cause the other and neither can be reduced to the other. I think I understand that, do you? I think I need you to read it again. There's a lot in there and a lot of depth in that. The mind and body brain are the interior and exterior of a single holism. Okay? The holistic exerts influence across these two dimensions, but neither causes the other and neither can be reduced to the other. Yeah, I kind of get the idea that She's talking about this idea, which I have becoming more aware of in the last few months, that um, you can't exclude the other, right? So, say you have the emotions, you know, and say you have, you know, the emotions and uh, the, the human down to earth stuff, but then you also have the mechanics of how it all works, trying to do it with just one or the other doesn't work as well, right? Well, everything's connected, right? That's like our whole self, our holistic self is all of that. So yeah, one thing's going to impact the other. Just does. Yeah, just does. But I don't know, you know, say if you were a therapist kind of thing and you're talking to somebody that was very emotional and just all tied whatever, and I'm sure that a lot of people are like that. God love them. I mean, if you would sit there and say to them, well, you know, you're not the emotions. The mind is not real, so it doesn't matter. So, you know, what else do you want to talk about? I mean, that wouldn't work, right? I mean, it's just, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that that's very dependent on that person's, you know, the things they're struggling with, what you can and can't say to someone in that moment. But we are not our feelings. Um, you know, our feelings aren't what we are, but they're part of who we are in that moment. So, you know, that's not always easy, even for myself sometimes, you know, you can get caught up in, in that, but it doesn't define us um, as a person. So I think you can tell people we are not our feelings, just like we are not our thoughts, but our thoughts can have a really big impact on the choices and the actions that we take yeah. um, because that's where we're putting our, our energy. Yeah. Well, somehow you got to, I think you got a really nice grasp on this idea of knowing that you're not the thoughts, but somehow in that moment, there is a relationship, th something's going on that is, is part of who we are as being a human in that moment, in, the, in that moment of time. I just call that the messiness of being a human being. <laughs> <laughs> it can get messy. It can get messy. It's complicated. Uh, 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 Hannah uh, Walzer is uh, hanging around with us this morning. Thanks for coming on, Hannah. And yeah. if you care to join us, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. If you want to answer the question, what is a woman, you can you can do that. And um, I want to do this guy, and then we'll be, be, be right back. Where was it? The one I, I had one of these guys here that I wanted to do. I don't think you'll hear the audio on this, Hannah, for some reason. Um, doesn't work for the guest to hear the audio, or, or not the guest, but whatever. Yeah. 
For my first meal of the day, I like to make a blended drink, and I'm always basing my blended drinks around colostrum. Colostrum adds so much creamy flavor and texture that if you don't have it, smoothies start to seem a little bit watery to me. Now I'm gonna be combining it with a bunch of other ingredients, but it really is the all-star. Colostrum has so many health benefits. Probably it's best known for its effects on the immune system. There's actually an article in PubMed showing colostrum to be three times more effective against flu and flu symptoms than flu vaccines are, even in high-risk patients. It's incredible for fighting flu and other viral type infections. It's also really good for building lean muscle mass. In fact, it contains all 89 of the known mammalian growth factors. It's also very good for the gut lining. So people who suffer from things like Crohn's, IBS, uh, leaky gut syndrome, a lot of those folks are using colostrum in the regenerative process to heal and restore their gut lining. And one of the things I love about it is that it's a complete food. So colostrum contains everything a mammal needs to thrive. It contains all of the essential amino acids. It contains all of the essential lipids or fats. It contains all of the essential glyconutrients. Those are essential sugars that we need for our immune function. So it's got all of that and all those growth factors, which means this is really a complete food for human beings or for any other mammals. Tastes great, it's got the fuel I need to get through the day, and it's got all those added health benefits thanks to the colostrum too. And this is, add, uh, hello, I can say it. This is on any survival link. You can get colostrum and all of the other great products from survival. Recently, we talked with Dr. David Minkoff, MD, about his patients and toxins. We test them for environmental toxins, and we look at their teeth, and we look at their diet, and we do a look at their gut and and they're loaded it is a radical 360 assault on our bodies what we're living in today in terms of our environment it's remarkable what you find on people how much stuff they've accumulated you know they need to get in the sauna uh three or four times a week and they need to filter the the water systems in the united states are full of environmental toxins i know when we talked to dr rawi he was a big fan of these far infrared saunas and getting the sweat out, and he used to test the sweat and everything. Do you do that, a far infrared, and then you, what kind of saunas do you I have them get, there's some pretty economical, really good portable saunas that people can get, and I think it's it's like mandatory, if you're living on planet Earth now, you better get in a sauna three times a week for half an hour, and really sweat, because you're, no matter how careful you are, you're getting full of stuff that you don't want in your body that are toxic and carcinogenic. Yes, we've been promoting and using for years, uh, 10 years now, the Relax Far Infrared Sauna. It's a portable, uh, about a thousand, really nice units, boy. They they get hot and boy, you sweat and it's it's great. Great unit. Yeah, oh, you've seen those. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Minkoff's a cool guy. We are uh, promoting and have been for probably 12 or 13, 14 years, the Relax Sauna. And you can get it for $1,295. And that's tax title license delivered to uh, anywhere in the United States. We ship them all over the world. And we um, have just uh, got an order in for a fellow in Australia. And we're shipping it down under. So, uh, yeah, we ship them all over the place. So just email me and I'll give you uh, the right price, the best price. Patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Co-hosting this morning is Hannah Walzer. Is that G- German? Did you tell me it was German? Walzer? So Walizer, as I've been told by my family, is actually a uh, Swiss last name. Uh, Walizer. So, I wasn't pronouncing it correctly. I'm sorry. Should have asked. That's okay. Wal- it's, it's tough. Swiss? You're Swiss? I have some Swiss in me. I'm a... I'm a mutt over here. Many things. Here's a great email. I like this one from Jane. Thanks for having uh, Hannah on. So I'm curious about what she has talked to her teenage sons, uh, our teenage children. And then she says, are they sons? (laughs) Question mark. uh, About this whole trans thing. Have you all had conversations about this? 
That's a great question. Yeah, we have, we do talk about things like that at home. And I think as parents um, and, you know, as far as building families and, and guiding our children, it's really important to have conversations with them about these things because they are kind of on the front lines in the, in the, my children are in the public school system um, and they're exposed to these things. And these are things that they're around, including, um, you know, furries were also mentioned in that video. And I, you know, that is part of, um, you know, they have classmates that that are those things. So it's really important to have ongoing conversations with your kids. Um, I think it's important to define what your value system is in your home too. I mean, I think that kind of goes along with it. And then to constantly have open um, communication with your kids about the things that um, are going on in the world and, you know, how that impacts them. And that's part of relationship building and parenting. Are they are they all all boys? Is that right? Did I? Yes. All, bo- all boys. That's crazy. <laughs> Again, their ages are yeah. what? <laughs> what are they? 16, 14 and 13. Wow, 16, 14. Yeah. Do they do they do they come home with some stories? I mean, have you talked to them about what what kids are into these days and and uh you learn a lot from them? Yeah. I bet. So. Yeah, I mean, no, they're not like, you know, you ask a, a boy how their day at school was and they say good. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was good. Yeah. Um, but yes, there have been times where I will initiate conversations about, you know, are you dealing with these kind of things at school? You know, are there? And you know, we did when I found out what a furry was, because I honestly did not know um, they were the ones that like, yeah, well, there's this group of, you know, kids that identify as this. And I said, well, what's that? And um, so we talk about that, you know, and we, and we talk about identity, you know what I mean? That's, that's, I think that's all part of, of healthy parenting is having those conversations about those things and, you know, hearing their perspective and sharing mine um, and guiding them along the way, because they are exposed to those things and kids all over are being exposed to a lot of things that certainly you or I we're not exposed to as we were going up through school. So it's a challenging time for sure for young oh, people. Um, it's really hard. What are these furries into and what if, what are they into? So I don't want to, I don't want to butcher the definition, okay. but I, from what I understand a furry is a person that like identifies as an animal. So they might be like a cat or a dog. Oh, good. Um, yeah. Yeah. So then they, might wear certain things like collars or ears or things yeah. like that at school. And they might not, they might purr or like bark instead of talk. Oh, good. Like, I, I wonder, I wonder you know, maybe there's probably something really deep going on with this identity thing. So maybe it, it's, it's a bit of programming like I conjecture that it is, you know, people, forces that want to make people crazy and divide them and whatever, less children, but, you know, maybe there's some real deep spiritual thing going on with souls that are, maybe they're having to go through this so they can really find out that they are spiritual beings. I mean, it could all turn out to be really, really a good thing, you know, five years from now. So, well, we went through that, but now we know that we're not the body, we're not the mind, we're not girls, we're not boys, we're just souls. Maybe, it's possible. Yeah, there's opportunity and challenges, right? I mean, like, I, I believe in that. Um, yeah. But I think you have to have guidance sometimes, you know, to get through it. And I think we need to have relevant conversations about these things. And I think that's what Matt was trying to do through that documentary is is start conversations about some bigger issues that are going to come from situations like that. And if, if we change, you know, our view as a, as a country changes and how that impacts all of the people living here. Um, and, it, and I think it brings the question, you know, what our values are as a, as a country and, you know, if they're changing. Yeah. Well, it sure feels like this whole uh, identity thing or fluidity, however you want to call it, Hannah, is uh, it seems like it's building a lot of energy. It's really, you know, I'm just kind of concerned that it could explode. And, you know, I don't know what, how that would look, just these, you know, because there's not a lot of um, real conversation about it. You know, as 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 this fellow who did the documentary, there's no real conversation about it. You know, like we're having here, it's just 
you know, like the abortion thing, you know, is anybody, is that ever going to, you know, get to the point where there's people, but maybe on the abortion thing, people are just beginning to live and let live. I don't know. Yeah, well, I think I think when they're when it comes to certain issues that are you know very sensitive to people like this one, um, my question is: Do we have permission to discuss it? Because sometimes it feels like only one perspective has permission to share thoughts, and so for us to actually have a conversation and really communicate, both people have to be able to share their thoughts and be able to disagree. Um, and it has nothing, nothing to do with acceptance or tolerance or coexistence, because you and I have talked about this before agreement, um, acceptance doesn't equate to agreement, but my, my question is, are we able to have these conversations or do we have permission, um, to share a, a thought or a side that that's differing than maybe the momentum of this, you know, or wherever that's coming from. So it's important that we can, it's important that we can hold this space, um, for, for differing perspectives and have conversations, um, where we're sharing thoughts, even if we don't agree. And I think that's something that's kind of missing, uh, in this world. Yeah. It becomes like whoever's winning, like this is like the side that's gaining more momentum and speaking out the loudest, they're going to dominate and the people that disagree are wrong. And the universities in there, I just read a story the other night about a, a, a parent in Canada who they were divorced and the mom wanted to, the child to have this surgery. I think he was 16 to be a boy kind of thing. And the father, man, he went, you know, you can't do, you know, he went ballistic and tried to stop it and went to court. He tried everything to stop it. And you know what? They arrested him. They arrested him for trying to stop his ex-wife from allowing his daughter to, um, you know, change in surgery from a boy to a girl, girl to a boy. That's a little strange, you know, that's really strange, you know, man. Very concerning. Very, right. And you know, universities are full now that, you know, you can't, you can't even hardly question this whole gender fluidity thing. You just can't even do it. You can't question it. It's just it's just the way it is. You can't question the, the universal bathrooms and all that. They just kick you out. Can't do it. And if you're And I think that's that's the issue. That's the bigger issue. Um it's not all of these these other things. It's the issue of are we allowed to disagree with each other and have different perspectives yeah. and all live in this country together. Um, and if we can't, like, that's going to be a huge What are we going to do? What are we going to do? <laughs> Boy, sometimes I think, Hannah, that there will be a point when it comes with politics where it'll just build up enough juice. I don't want to see this, but that people are just going to lose it, you know, and just start really fighting with each other. Um, you know what I mean? What's the old saying that mm-hmm. when you have nothing to lose is when you lose it? And... Uh, they keep doing a lot of, I mean, you know, I'm not a big supporter of politics to me is all performance art. You know, I don't believe any of it. They are, they're all just, it's crazy. I used to, but I got over it a few years ago. But now they just, um, I just saw this morning they're indicting President Trump, a big deal. They want to indict him for having these, uh, <laughs> these uh, supposedly secrets at his Mar-a-Lago place and they want to throw him in jail. And he's got 100 million people that are just, they're not going to have it. You know, they're not going to just stand there and, and uh, say, oh yeah, well that's okay. It's going to get, I think it's going to get strange, you know. We better all move up with Hannah in the country in Lancaster County. <laughs> do, Come and find me. Do you have room up there by the Amish? I don't know if you want Yes. I don't know if you want to be in the cities going forward, but... Um, you concerned with that kind of stuff yeah. at all up where you are? Or you feel safe and tidy no matter what goes on in the world? How do you feel? Um, hmm. <laughs> I think that 
I, I, I mean, I do kind of live removed from the hustle and bustle and I'm thankful for that, you know, depending on how horrible things could get, you know, you never know what the, what way the pendulum is going to swing. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe in the country we have, we do have kind of the idea that we'll just, you know, stay and defend. And that's kind of like my perspective, but if people come here, you know, bloodthirsty, <laughs> I'm not sure what's going to happen. I don't, I, I'll, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, the stuff you're talking about, I do think it's been intentional to cause division um, amongst people and to cause chaos and to cause confusion. And I think there's been many different platforms where that has been perpetuated. And I think we're seeing the product of that in people. And that's why we're seeing people so confused and so angry and so emotional. Um, and that's why, you know, mental health seems to be such a crisis. And, you know, people, like you said, they're losing it and losing it really is like losing executive function mm-hmm. of our, of our mind. And so it is, it is scary to, to think that that's what's going on, but I, I think there, the pendulum has to swing the other direction at some point. And I don't know what it's going to take to get there. Um, but maybe we need this temporary time of discomfort to get where we need to be as people. I'm an idealist. I'm just saying, <laughs> uh, sometimes you got to go through the muck, you know, to figure out what you believe in and what you stand for and, and who you are. Yeah. 